You're listening to In Good Company with Hugh Byrne, a podcast about living consciously, making healthy choices, cultivating the power of awareness, and bringing mindfulness to our work and our lives. Our guest today is Pete Kornmeyer. I had the opportunity to um, have a conversation with Pete some weeks ago and I found it fascinating and I'm really looking forward to our talk today, our, our conversation today. Pete is the founder of Spark Expeditions. They take schools and private organizations on adventure and service trips all over the world and Pete has himself traveled to over 45 countries led trips on six different continents. He was featured as a leader in Alaska on MTV Made, Extreme Survivalists. He also volunteered at the Tibetan Refugee Assistance Center in India and fascinating experiences in Alaska around the world. What I want to begin with is to talk with you a little bit about your own personal journey and some of the turning points and choice points that led you towards your current vocation, your work with Spark Expeditions, taking trips around the world, fascinating parts of the world. Welcome to you, Pete. Growing up, my parents were real homebodies, and all of our vacations were driving to Grandma's house in New Jersey, which... Not there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but that was sort of what I knew growing up. And then I got to college and I took a class on Lewis and Clark. At the end of that class, we had the opportunity to canoe where they were and camp where they camped and see some of the same things. Um, and actually, originally, I, I didn't want to go. And the only reason I actually went was because my friends were all going. But that was actually a real turning point for me. Uh, I just had an amazing time and run around in the wilderness and camping and really felt free and really enjoyed the adventure and all of that. What was it about that that kind of opened you up? Can you, I mean, was it being in, in nature, in kind of seeing things in a different way? What was it that triggers something in you maybe at that, at that particular time? Do you have a sense of that? Not exactly sure, but I think there was definitely something to do with how wide open it was. So we would pull up our canoes for the night and then you could go wherever you wanted. So you could go hike out different mountains and go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted and sort of that sense of freedom and exploration was important to me. It's funny, I found out many years later, I actually have a relative that was on the Lewis and Clark expedition, um, which... Maybe something <laughs> <So I guess laughs> more spiritual going on there as well. Yeah, so I guess it runs in the, runs in the family a little bit. You also um, spent some time in India at the Tibetan Refugee Center up in the kind of foothills of the Himalayas, the Dharamasala, I recall. Yeah, yeah. How was that for you and what kind of, how did that affect you? working with the refugees there from Tibet in India. That was a very powerful experience as well. I originally went up there, I wanted to see the Dalai Lama who spends a lot of time there and just sort of ended up really connecting to the place and I ended up 
staying there for about three months and doing a lot of volunteering and working with the Tibetan refugees, teaching English classes and, and that sort of thing. When you're teaching these English classes, a lot of it was one-on-one -on -one conversations. And then the conversation takes the natural path of where are you from? How did you get here? And you're hearing their stories and hearing some of their stories really puts things in perspective as far as what a lot of them have gone through and are still going through. It was nice to be able to do my very small part because a lot of them come over only speaking Tibetan. So they don't speak any of the Indian languages and they don't speak English. And so, you know, at least if they learn English, that kind of opens up a lot of career opportunities for them. Yeah, and it's wonderful the way the Dalai Lama is really committed to bringing that ancient culture into the modern world without losing the, the traditional culture. And I'm, I'm sure you experienced that, uh, you know, his, approach to science and his interest in all of the, you know, the, the changes in the world. Um, I w yeah. I w before, I, I'd love to kind of talk about how you came to found and start expeditions, but I do want to just hear a little bit about the um, MTV series, <laughs> The Extreme Survivalist. What was that about? MTV reached out and wanted to do I don't, I don't know. Are you familiar with the show Made, MTV Made? The idea is that, that they are going to take high school students and make them into something so they could be a break dancer and they get lessons from a professional break dancer or whatever they right, want to right. be. Um, and these two girls who I think part of the appeal for the show was they were very girly girls that had never gone camping or anything like that. So they wanted to make them into extreme survivalists. And so they came out and they did our entire 21 day trip with about nine days of backpacking and about seven days of kayaking and they filmed the entire 21 days which definitely takes some getting used to as having a, a tv camera in your face for three weeks straight what were, like, were they like catching fish with their hands and eating it raw or oh. you know what were they doing uh kind of extreme survival um, that was well so you know the goal of our trips is to teach some of these skills and also to make people have a good time. <laughs> the goal of MTV was not exactly the same. So they were looking to make it more extreme exactly, all yeah. the time. And you so wanted they... them to survive and they wanted <laughs> them to be extreme. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't quite realize what I was getting myself into, I think, um, at, the, at the time. They would want them to do things like make a shelter out of bark and, and sticks. It's like, you can do that, but you're not going to be very happy when it's <laughs> pretty cold out. So they were always trying to make it more extreme while we were trying to make it comfortable and, and have them be happy, but also still build some leadership skills and say like navigation skills, for example, and things like that. It was definitely an interesting experience. <laughs> and how did that kind of that journey of some of these experiences, how did that kind of lead to you wanting to do this as you know, a very central part of your life and your career path. Talk a little bit about that kind of evolution. Yeah, it's funny. Or was it just serendipitous? Did it just happen? Was it? No, yeah. I, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Would have been a lot easier. It's funny though, I did have friends and family telling me for a long time, like, oh, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. You know, this is what you're good at and, and you really are passionate about it and do a great job, all of this stuff. And I always found uh, reasons not to start my own business. You know, as you know, it's, it's not easy and it's 
taking a big risk and you have to figure things out financially and blah blah blah. There's definitely kind of a long road as far as going from doing a lot of it on my own to doing it professionally for another company to finally starting my own company. What about the, yeah I mean, I'm really interested in in those kind of points where you you and others and all of us really face challenges. You know, we kind of, we're at that place where, is this going to work? You know, am I doing this right? Maybe I should do something else. You know, these kind of uncertainty and questioning in the mind comes up. What helped you in that period? I'm not saying those were your specific questions. You may have had very different ones, but there's often that kind of questioning. There's the challenge. Maybe this isn't meant to happen right now. <laughs> you know, whatever that, that kind of, that, that question is in your mind. How did you work with that what was your you know what helped you really in that process if anything probably the most important thing about being an entrepreneur is being resilient is is my opinion on that because you're just going to do so many things wrong <laughs> and there's sort of this paradoxical mindset you have to have which is you have to really believe everything's going to work out but at the same time not get upset when it doesn't and you also have to not listen to people that say things aren't going to work because there's a whole lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, there is a point where you, <laughs> you do have to listen and maybe make adjustments or maybe go in a different direction. So it's that kind of balance that I think can be very tricky because as you know, like anything can be a good idea or a bad idea depending on how it's done and exactly which direction you go. But I, I think for me, the biggest thing has been sort of the overall mindset of I'm going to try many different things. Some are going to work and some are not. And accepting that rejection and that failure as part of the process as opposed to taking it personally. And I've definitely had plenty of those <laughs> failures and rejections yeah, yeah. along the way. And, yeah. and actually, I'd be curious to kind of hear your thoughts because I know with a lot of the things you do, I'm sure you are opening yourself up to yeah. rejection and failure and that feeling of like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, should I, should I be taking it in this direction or? Yeah, I mean, what you said really resonates with me about the balance because often there is wisdom in that questioning. I'm not, you know, it's not the, the questioning is always kind of foolish or like, you know, that negative voice that maybe you got from a family member. Sometimes it can be, but sometimes it can be wisdom. It can be kind of, well, maybe this isn't gonna work. <laughs> maybe it doesn't make sense to borrow another $500,000 or right. whatever that might be. So, so I think of it really very much, as you said, as it's kind of, it's balance, it's discernment. It's really, I see it as awareness. It's, it's, you know, in the, using a broad term, it's like, okay, can I, can I open to those feelings of maybe there's some insecurity, maybe mixed in with real questioning and not to give too much authority to the story in the mind you know the mind can mm -hmm. easily you know particularly if you've had bad experiences in the past can kind of throw up right. things of, oh no this isn't going to work because remember what happened two years ago <laughs> right. etc but maybe something did happen two years ago that you want to learn from so mm -hmm. i think it's for me it's exactly as you say finding that balance of you know, listening to those kind of the inner voice, but not giving too much authority 
to the negative voices or the habitual voices that may be coming from experiences that are more about the past than about the actual situation here and now. Mostly for me as well, it is not, I don't, it's not so personal. Right now in my life, I have about eight different major areas and some of them probably won't work out fully. I don't know if that's something that you do. I mean, obviously you've put major energy into this particular area, but in the work that I do, there's lots of different possibilities and not all of them will pan out, you know, and, and to be okay with that. And that's something I've learned. I, I didn't start there. I don't know, maybe the same with you as well. One thing that occurred to me as you were just speaking there is once you have a degree of success, then it's a whole lot easier to say, oh, well, that didn't work yeah. out. That's, yeah. And I know, obviously, yeah. you've had enough success, I'm sure, that when something doesn't work out, it's, it, it isn't, you know it's not personal because you know all of these other things did work out. And actually, I know you were just talking about before we got started here about how you're <laughs> you know, reading your own book with, <laughs> with, uh, with a group of people. And I think that's probably where it's hardest, right? It would be at the beginning when you're sort of doing things for the first time and you haven't had that success to anchor yourself with and say, oh, that's okay if this didn't work because this did when you were getting started or was there a point you think where these things would be affecting you a lot more and and now it's just like like you said it's easier to kind of let it roll off well for me you know there's I've, I've been around people who are you know in the field that i'm in in mindfulness and meditation who are you know big you know quite you know we don't in this area of work we don't call them stars but they're the equivalent of stars in other fields whether right. in film or tv or whatever and you know, there is very easy in, in to kind of compare yourself to right. people and say, oh, you know, look what are they doing? They've got, that. you know, obviously we're working from the, you know, the essence of what we're doing is, you know, humility and self-examination <laughs> and all of that. Right. But there is also the what wish to be effective and to reach mm -hmm. out and to help as much as we can. And the more effective we are, and that includes kind of being doing it in a business-like way as well, the more, um, the more we can do what we care about doing. So there's kind of, that's a balanced thing as well, of not, certainly not making it about an ego thing, but also caring about, you know, if I put meditations, guided meditations online, you know, obviously I want people, I'm, I'm interested that people, you know, hear them and benefit from them if possible. And getting the feedback from people that they really find this helpful. I found that useful for me in kind of giving a real world kind of affirmation. Of, oh yeah, this is something, because it's so easy for the mind, even if you have a conscious practice of awareness, to kind of go into, oh, you know, maybe I'm not really as good at this as I might be. You know, I mean, right. every all of us, I think, have those voices. and mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do we work with those those voices that come up? How do we work wisely with them? That's how I, how you know how I engage with it. What what do you think? I mean, how has it been for you? Before before we get to that, I want to answer that. I just I, <laughs> there's something I have to ask about, which is something I think is really interesting, which is like the competitive nature of or, or what what sort of competition there is within like you know the the meditation and mindfulness community because like like you said like everyone wants to help and help the most 
right? Like you want to feel like what you're doing is worthwhile and whatnot. But then at the same time, it's all about not being competitive and everyone can help and everyone can succeed and all of that. And so I'd be really curious to hear a little bit more about how that works. And as far as when people get jealous and well, or, or yeah. competitive or yeah. any of that, or yeah. is it really as we'd all like to think, which is, hey, we're all winners here <laughs> and it's okay. You know, I mean, it's a great question. And, and again, it, for me, it comes down to, to, to the balance. You know, everybody's different and we're all human. And maybe some, some people, you know, in this world, like in any other world, are, you know, kind of a little competitive and it feels like there's some of that energy there. Because mm -hmm. it's not as though everyone who's doing this kind of work of awareness work and mindfulness work has worked out every, you know, all of their internal, right. you know, confusions and, you know, kind of ego things, you know, that's definitely, that's, you know, very much what the practice and the process is about. But but everyone is human. And so the, the, where I come back to on this question, and then I'm going to try and turn back to being the interviewer, <laughs> <laughs> since we love to hear from you, is, is um, that, that at the end of the day, we come back to our practice. At the end of the day, we can always come back and we can see, oh, I am getting a little bit sticky around this here. I'm, I'm kind of wanting this more than really feels healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of identifying with this a little bit. And we can just watch that and say, okay, may, can I just let go of that? Can I, can I allow my deepest wish, which is to be of support and to be of help, let that be what guides me, what carries me forward. And I think at the end of the day, that's what everyone, I think, I hope everyone or almost everyone in this particular field of mindfulness, meditation, awareness practices has to come back to. That is to kind of, we have our practice to come back to and we can see that we're, everyone is human. Even the Dalai Lama, you know, he talks about getting angry, you know, mm -hmm. but the, 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 but the, what he says about that is, but I have my practice to be aware of the anger more than getting caught up in the story of that. Right. Right. Now that, that makes sense. And, and one thing I've also noticed, which it seems to me that the more I've been able to drop that negative, you know, the, the negative feelings and that negative energy that it seems to lead me to be more successful anyways because i think people can kind of feel that whether you're kind of pushing 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 or whether you're more just sort of at peace with what you're doing and comfortable but but also it's really hard to get there <laughs> right unless you are having some some degree of success yeah so i don't know it's kind of an interesting paradox there i guess i mean i i think it is and it's all it's for all of us i think it's a journey of just kind of exploring and seeing where we where we trip up where we get stuck where we get hooked and identified in some kind of more narrow and more limited view of who we are and our relationship to others in the world and to be able to see that and as you know, as a practice of awareness, say, okay, I see I'm, I'm, I'm tight here in the same way as if we're meditating, we see we're caught up in a strong emotion or we're caught up in thinking we can come back again. It's okay. Can I just come back to come back to this moment? Can I come back to my deepest intention? What do I, what do I care about most deeply? I think that really, I find that really supports me and I'm sure it does for you as well. I'm, it, you know, just being able to come back like so 
kind of making that shift back that for you, you know, what was your intention in founding Spark Expeditions? Can you talk about that? And can you talk about what, what are you trying to accomplish with the, you know, with the students, with the schools, with the private organizations as you take them on these I mean, I kind of, I have to work with my jealousy you know, <laughs> about coming, going to these amazing places, you know, whether it's Patagonia or Africa, you know, the safari of Africa or whatever it is, you know, the different places you go in Asia and other parts of the world. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what your, what your vision is and what your, your, some of your deepest intentions are? That's a good question. <laughs> and it's something I, I think about a lot. Like you said, I think you can get caught up in the day-to-day -day of whatever, you know, accounting or whatever stuff you really are not excited to be dealing with. And yeah, I think, like you mentioned, sometimes it's very important to kind of come back to what's important and why you're doing what you're doing. And yeah, and the real reason that got started here was, I mean, not just because, <laughs> you know, my friends and family were telling me it was something I was good at, but also just as sort of my way to be making a difference. That often means different things for different trips. So yeah, if it's a, say a backpacking trip in Alaska, I mean, you know, maybe the, the difference is sort of helping people kind of build some of their interpersonal skills and leadership skills, and then along with some actual, you know, like navigation skills and that kind of thing. And then also, you know, on some of the other trips, like we've talked about, like say we are bringing a student group to work in an orphanage in Kenya. There, it's really helpful to sort of give kids a different perspective on what life is like. And, and one thing we actually talked about before previously, and, and you put it very nicely, is you don't always know exactly what's going to happen but as long as you're planting that seed and seeing how that can kind of develop is always a really exciting thing and and also like you mentioned when you do sort of re receive some of that positive feedback about when you get a letter from someone that came on one of your trips saying how they had a really amazing time and maybe it you know affected them in in this way and can't wait to continue in this sort of line of work. It really helps you be grateful and appreciative of what you're doing. When you go on these trips and when we talked before, it sounds like they're very, they're kind of all very unique. They're not, there's not a cookie cutter, you know, oh, we do this one or we do that one. I mean, there, there's a lot of um, planning around the particular group that you're taking and where you're taking them to and what you're trying to do with them. And and if you could t say a little bit about that and say a, something about, you know, you alluded to it about like when, imagine difficulties come up all the time. I mean, I just give you a little thing. Um, my partner, Rebecca and I are um, organizing a retreat in Cuba and not the easiest time right now to yeah. take a group of people for a mindfulness meditation retreat in Cuba. And, and so in there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of holding of, of like, you know, uncertainty, uncertainty, mm -hmm. like feeling that it's really good thing to happen and an important thing to do to provide people with those experiences and the people to people experiences and the meditation experiences, but also knowing that there's real uncertainty there. It's not quite like going to, 
you know, Cancun or Costa Rica or whatever. Right. And so built in there is a kind of an uncertainty. And I'm just wondering, you know, things come up, difficulties come up. Can you talk about how you work with those and give me give some examples if you have any of this? It's like, oh, this was challenging, but we did this. Because in a way, <laughs> I mean, that's what you do. You do in your survivalism. You know, you're teaching people to kind of work with you know, a lot of uncertainty of like not even know how do I do this in this environment? And so how does that kind of work into your own engagement and, you know, in the trips themselves? Mm-hmm. Well, we've, um, it's funny, we've actually never had any difficulties on our trips. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Uh, not one. I don't know if we've ever had a trip without difficulties. It's interesting. Yeah. I think it's all about your mindset and like, and I think you, you, you sort of hit it on the head when you said, like, we want to provide this amazing experience, but we're also aware there's going to be some uncertainty and, and some difficulty. And like, I think that's just part of it. And when I've done trips with certain people, certain people have higher anxiety around certain things. Like anyone can get upset about the smallest things that, you know, the, the flight's delayed. Yeah. You know, you do what you can and basically take the take the challenges as they come. But yeah, I mean... Boy, over the years, yeah, there's been <laughs> all sorts of different challenges. I think one of the kind of funnier ones we had was there was a student, and this is actually the only time for all the trips I've done, hundreds of trips, but the only time I've actually cut a trip short. <laughs> there was a student, and we were backpacking, and I knew he didn't want to be there. He really didn't want to be there, and his parents were making him go, which is always a <laughs> interesting <laughs> position for me to be in, of course. Yeah. And he's about 14 years old. Um, and at some point, he just sits down on the trail and says he's not going to hike anymore, which is actually a very common thing. So that happens all the time. But he was different. So he was, you He know, wasn't moving. <laughs> he meant it. <laughs> um, when, the other, when the other people say, it, you know, usually, oh, you're doing great. You know, let's have a snack and a drink of water and everything's going to be fine. But he meant it. So I did my kind of usual, oh, don't worry. Uh, you're doing great. Everything's going to be fine. Just have a drink of water. Uh, you know, we'll lighten your pack a little. But he was just not moving. <laughs> Yeah, we ended up sitting there for each other for about five hours. <laughs> and then we, I think we arranged to have someone else get his pack and we took just kind of an easier <laughs> route out. But in the end, he walked. He, uh, he didn't uh, have he to did, be carried Yeah, out. He, did, he did walk eventually. Yeah, when I think he realized we weren't calling in the rescue team to come rescue someone that didn't need to be rescued. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know if that's the best example because we didn't. <laughs> really solve that problem we kind of just adapted but yeah it's constantly i mean that's the name of the game is just constantly adapting and constantly dealing with whatever comes up because that's going to happen on every single trip i think people once they kind of understand that then you know makes things go a lot more smoothly because as with anything right it's all about your perspective and do you view the the flight being late I think right. I was going to say Louis C.K. has a bit about this. Probably shouldn't talk about Louis C.K. anymore. Yeah. But one of his bits is talking about people complaining that the flight's delayed, right? And then he's like, "But you're on an airplane flying through right, the air. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're going yeah. you know, across the country in a couple hours, whereas yeah. it used to take weeks. Yeah. So it's all about how you view these problems yeah. that." It's perspective, yeah, being able to kind of look at the bigger picture. That's a really, I mean, it's a great example. 
Um, what I what I'm I thinking as well, you know, when you when difficulties arise, there's both kind of the difficulties of, like, you know, the light is cancelled or you know what, you know an objective a real world thing, right? And then there's the how do we relate to the difficulties as you've been talking about? You could have somebody who you know, a big thing happens and they're very resilient and, oh yeah, just mm -hmm. go with the flow of this. And you can have somebody else with a tiny thing happen and it seems like the biggest thing in the world. It's like, right. you know, the, the sky's fallen down, you know, and I'm sure you've had, had both of those extremes of things. And so what that kind of brings up is like, you, I imagine you've needed to develop or maybe you've had them kind of to some extent innately, um, really interpersonal skills that help you deal with those kind of situations. How, how has that been for you? Like, you know, working with, what do we say, kind of the difficult person and, you know, and that's a whole range of, of people. It sure is. <laughs> I mean, what, what have you learned about that? About that um, communications particularly? I think my kind of go-to is yeah, I mean, like you said, there's the whole range of things that you're dealing with. But I think my go-to has really just been just positive, positive, positive. We're thinking positive. We're viewing every single situation in a positive light. And sometimes I'm even kind of like, as I'm doing that, I'm kind of like laughing in my head. Like, well, this isn't that positive, but I'm going <laughs> right, right, to make this right. positive right now. We had one that actually was a pretty rough situation right. on a trip in Alaska a few years ago, we were whitewater rafting and we came up to a point in the river where we couldn't get past because there were a bunch of logs in the river and um, it was a multi-day rafting trip. And so we had thousands of pounds worth of equipment and we had to haul it. And, and they also, they were like, oh, you don't need your shoes because you're just rafting. So we didn't even have shoes. You know, we had like these little booty things and we had to haul this equipment like basically straight up this hill a few hundred yards down and then back down and it took the whole group 13 and a half hours wow just hauling equipment up and down up and down up and down but the positive spin which which i mean i do believe but it's also kind of funny when you're telling it to clients but it's like well you know you you came to alaska you didn't you know you could go to disney world then right, right. <laughs> you know you get the disney world experience but here things happen and it's just part of the part of the fun in a way and you know it's funny because from that trip people remember that you know and the, it was yeah. sort of turned into a good bonding experience yeah. where everyone got together and you kind of have to work together when it's 13 hours and you're hauling these huge rafts and we made like a little pulley system to pull them up the hill and it just like, ended up being kind of a highlight of the trip believe it or not whereas that same exact situation can be <laughs> obviously viewed yeah. very negatively i mean i'm sure you've also dealt with spinning things that can potentially be looked at as in a very negative way to being positive team building however you want to yeah things. i mean in a way for you though it's it's kind of built into the built into the model that you know that challenge is part of the i mean you're not necessarily for this trip that wasn't what you'd set up right. but if you have if you uh, if you can in yourself and also as much as you can with those that you're bringing along if you can kind of bring that mindset in to look at challenges as part of part of the journey part of the growth mm -hmm. and it very much is in keeping as you say with the practice and practice of mindfulness of awareness is to look at everything 
you know, the most wonderful and the most difficult experiences as challenges rather than, you know, there's a, a line in, um, in uh, Carlos Castaneda's book um, uh, where Don Juan, the yucky sorcerer, the teacher, you know, says the, the, um, the everyday person sees the, the, the spiritual warrior is kind of what he talked, the term he uses, um, sees everything as a challenge. The everyday person sees things as a blessing or a curse. You know, so you seem, oh, wonderful, I won the lottery. Oh, terrible, this bad thing happened I to me. I spent it all, yeah. Yeah, I spent it all. Yeah, yeah, I fell down a hole in the road, you know, I broke my leg, you know, right. oh, terrible, life is terrible, life right. is awful, life is wonderful. Whereas, you know, a spiritual, a spiritual person, anyone who sees life in this way, sees everything that comes along as something to learn from, something to go f to, to work with, something to grow from. And, you know, what I like about what you're doing is, you know, you may not be doing it consciously, you know, within the framework of mindfulness, but I see a lot of that, I hear a lot of that in what you're doing, that you really in, in doing things that are outside of the everyday kind of Disney world right. kind of thing, you're doing things that are challenging. And the more challenging they are, the more present you need to be. You can't have your mind somewhere else while you're going down the, you know, the rapids or up the mountain or whatever. You're going to potentially hurt yourself or even die if you're going to do that. So in a way that's built in. And as well, I hear the attitude is built in of kind of, okay, this is not mm. what we chose, right. but this is what life is kind of putting in our way right now. So I kind of, I like ver that very much about what you're, you know, your the whole thing that you're doing has really has that built in as a, you know, I see it as a very mindful practice, even though probably you don't very often use that language, you know, because not everyone uses that language, but being willing to open to whatever life is in a way presenting itself. Not that you don't have preferences, you know, if you were asked, if anyone was asked, <laughs> do you want to spend 13 hours <laughs> lugging this stuff up the, up the mountain and down or up the hill and down the other side? Of course, almost all of us would have said no, unless we began by saying, well, this expedition involves 13 hours, right, right. <laughs> maybe you wouldn't get anywhere on that expedition are only the extreme survivalists but but I like that I mean I, I really appreciate that about what you're uh, you, what you're doing and and the work that you're doing and what you're trying to kind of nurture and cultivate perhaps with those you're working with yeah it's interesting I think that's oftentimes where some of the biggest growth experiences come from yeah. when things go wrong yeah. such as the the hauling all the rafting gear you sort of have to have some degree of mindfulness to say I'm going to have a good time, even though I didn't plan on this, but I'm going to have a good time hauling this stuff up because I'm going to say, oh, look at this fun adventure I'm having. Because the know? alternative is you're still going to be hauling, but you're going to be, it's going to be a pain in yeah, the butt. Yeah, and a miserable 13 hours is certainly not as Yeah, potentially pleasant. a kind of an okay. Right. You know, it may not, it may not be anybody's, you know, you know, Oh, I love doing this, except yeah. maybe the ultra marathoners or those kind of folks who like everything as a chance. But most right. of us, we kind of like, we like a certain amount of yeah. comfort at least, <laughs> I think, don't we? Yeah, as you said, I don't know if people would have signed up had they known it was going to be an extra 13 and a half hours of 
hauling things. And One thing I did want to ask you about, I did a little research on you before I, you before did. I shared. Well, I didn't, I didn't think it was fair that you knew everything about me, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I knew a certain degree and I, I, you know, we've talked before, but you know, um, one of your 18 or so things that you're, you're doing, I saw on your website is you're teaching mindfulness to people at uh, DC correctional facilities. And to me, I mean, that seems like one of the most important places for that sort of work. And I, I think it, that sort of ties into you know, facing challenges, looking at them from a positive perspective yeah. and, and all of that. And it also seems like one of the most difficult places. You know, it's one thing when you're on vacation going whitewater rafting. Obviously, you know, some of these people you're dealing with are in a far more challenging situation and how you're able to work with them. Within the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, which is what I do, a, you know, a fair amount of my teaching within that community and that organization, we've had a program for going on about 10 years now of um, bringing mindfulness into jails and prisons in the greater Washington area. And a lot of it is happening and it's great around the country. And my role was more a mentoring role for the teachers. You know, because we trained a number of the teachers in a teacher training program. And, you know, occasionally I would go in, but my work was more in, in other areas. But for a number of years, I was very much involved in the kind of development of that program. And it is, I mean, it's, I, I can't think of very much more important than bringing practices of, of awareness and freedom to those who in the external sense are not free, but it doesn't mean that they're not free internally. And so, and there's been enormous, I mean, there's so many examples of people living in situations of incarceration, you know, whether it's people, you know, who have, you know, who've been brought up in very painful life situations and have gone into crime and done harmful things, but then in the in that environment, if the facilities, the jail or the prison have come to practice mindfulness, practice awareness and other of these practices, look at what they've done, maybe, you know, feel, ask for forgiveness for what they've done, recognize the harm they've caused and really have an experience of incredible growth. I mean, a, another example not coming through that path, but was the amazing example of Nelson Mandela who was 27 years in, yeah. in jail, in prison in South Africa, about 20 of them on an island off of Cape Town, Robin Island, and how he used that prison time to really grow both internally and to really engage with the, his captors and to see their humanity, even though they were doing a lot of cruel and harmful things, he could see their humanity. And that really helped him to see the possibility of this broad societal change, even in this most repressive regime of apartheid, racial domination, that he saw that possibility of change. And, you know, his journey, he was obviously unjustly, he was fighting for his people's freedom, the country's freedom. But it's an example of how you can use the most difficult and painful experiences, really what we're talking about, but almost on an even most extreme level, yeah. as a place of, of growth, of healing, of forgiveness, of compassion, of awareness. And it's an extraordinarily powerful example. It's one of the most powerful. Nelson Mandela for me is, is you know, in the Buddhist 
term terminology. There's this term of bodhisattva, as you know from working with the, I think the Tibetans, but people who really give their, you know, offer themselves for the benefit of, of everyone. And I see Nelson Mandela as doing that, the Dalai Lama and others as doing that as well. I, mean, I think Nelson Mandela, I mean, it's pretty hard to imagine being incarcerated unjustly for 27 years and then to have the opportunity to seek revenge and to not yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty spectacular, pretty amazing. You're right. I mean, it's, it's tough to think of a more impressive person. Inspiring, absolutely. I've immensely enjoyed this conversation as our earlier one. And maybe just like to finish up with a few questions, maybe just short questions around your own personal habits. Are there, you know, are there daily work life habits, work habits, life habits that, that help you? You know, for some people it might be, you know, making sure they get exercise or they do yoga or they eat well or, you know, the different kinds of things that can help us because I have to say for myself, and I say particularly in this time that we're living in, particularly this last year or so and living here in the Washington area, you know, it's a really a challenging time for many, many people. A lot of people are going to therapists with extra levels of anxiety around just the, what's going on in the country and in the world. And so, and then everybody has their own situation, their families, elderly parents, children, you know, health, money, all of the things to deal with as well. And so I find healthy habits of life really, essential not they're not kind of luxuries for us to um to help us negotiate all of all of the challenges of life and i'm just wondering for you are there things that, that are helpful for you what do you do that that you can kind of come back to and say okay things i'm feeling shaky or wobbly or stressed or whatever right now can i just come back to this whatever this might be a few of the things that come to mind right away are exercise i try to get at least some form of exercise, even if it's just going for a walk, getting outside every day. There's nothing worse than when I <laughs> stay in my apartment all day long. Uh, that's not not good for anyone. Spending some time with people, just w whatever it is, even if it's just an hour for lunch with a friend. And actually, probably the biggest one is, once again, trying to focus on the positive. So I do that in some different ways. One way is I try to think every morning, I try to think of sort of three things that I'm grateful for. And whenever I'm sort of feeling stressed or feeling that kind of anxiety kicking in, obviously like running a business, there's a ton of the day-to-day -day nonsense that I would love to not deal with, but it's just sort of part of it. And then it's just thinking about how lucky I am and how fortunate I am, as opposed to going to that other, oh gosh, I've got to spend three hours answering emails right. that I don't want to answer right, right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like we talked about, I mean, really anything can be viewed in a positive or a negative way. So not only do I do that on my trips, but I also try to do that with myself. It's certainly easier to pretend for others than it is to <laughs> do for yourself though. Yeah. But, um, so that's something I definitely work on a lot. And, and still working on, yeah. Yeah, sure. And and kind of turning it around the other way, and you may already, some of the things you've already shared may, may speak to this as well. You know, what are some of the things that you feel, feel you still feel the need to 
work with you know maybe things that you get do get caught up in or do get stressed around or you know what are there any things that that feel like yeah this is something that i'm working on right now i just say for myself over recent years you know my one of my tendencies can be to say yes too easily you know people ask because there's a lot of incoming as it were of requests for different things and my default you know and i won't go back into the psychology of why this might be the case but my default has tended to be to say yes but often you know the yes might be six months down the line but six months down the line tends to actually arrive on a given day (laughs) with a demand to do something you know yeah crazy (laughs) because at the time it's like oh it's down the road there you know and i could say the yes is an easy part the doing is not so easy so i could find myself in very at very stressful times where I, I I was just, you know, it just felt like too much, you know, in my mind. And objectively, in many ways it was, but it was also, you know, I had had practices to work with that, but sometimes it really does, it really is too much. And so that was a habit I've been looking at much more closely over recent years and being much more careful about that. And I wonder if for you, if there was kind of things that you've seen that you kind of, okay, this this is something for me as a big one to pay attention to. And if you've worked with it, maybe something you've worked out or maybe you still need to. Uh, yeah. There's there's plenty to still work out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> plenty has <laughs> been worked out. Plenty to still work on. That's for sure. Yeah. One is the feeling like I always have to do more. And running a business, I mean, there's always, always, always more that you can do. I mean, literally, it never ends. And you'll see that in plenty of businesses where it's always more, more, more. And the point isn't just to have a business and that's it. So trying to find that balance where you know, I say, okay, this afternoon I'm just gonna go for a hike and I'm gonna leave my phone at home (laughs) and that's fine. My tendency is to not, sometimes not to have such defined boundaries and then things can, as you're saying, you know, oh, this is really interesting. And then you kind of get caught up in that. And then that really is for me, it's an awareness practice. It's like, okay, where is my mind now? What am I doing? What am I, what are my real, my deeper intentions right now? Not what's fun or interesting for the time. This article is really interesting, but is it really what I need to be doing right Right. now? So I I really appreciate you sharing that. Maybe we outside of this, we can talk some more about this and things we can learn, etc. But um, we've come to time right now. And I just want to really appreciate um, you coming in today, Pete Kornmeyer. Um, It's been a joy to, uh, to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Pete.